0: Desert. Noun. 1. A barren or desolate area especially. a. A dry, often sandy region of little rainfall, extreme temperature and sparse vegetation. b. A region of permanent cold that is largely or entirely devoid of life. and c. An apparently lifeless area of water. 2. An empty or forsaken place, a wasteland, a cultural desert. and 3 archaic, a wild, uncultivated, and uninhabited region. Authors note, I have written Desert as a nature-loving anarchist, primarily addressing others with similar feelings. As a result, I have not always explained ideas to which I hold when they are, to some extent, givens within many anarchist and radical environmental circles. Hopefully I have written in an accessible enough manner, so even if you don't come from this background, you will still find desert readable. While the best introductions to ecology and anarchy are moments spent with undomesticated ecosystems and anarchist communities, some may also find the following books helpful. I did. Peter Marshall, Demanding the Impossible, A History of Anarchism. London, HarperCollins, 2008. Freddie Perlman, Against His Story, Against Leviathan, Detroit, Black and Red, 1983 Christopher Maines, Green Rage, Radical Environmentalism and the Unmaking of Civilization, Boston, Little Brown and Company, 1990 Clive Ponting, A Green History of the World, London, Penguin Books, 1991 Forward. Something haunts many activists, anarchists, environmentalists, many of my friends. It haunted me. Much of our subcultures tell us it's not there, that we can't see it, hear it. Our best wishes for the world tell us not to see it, but for many, despite their best efforts, carrying on with the normal activism, the movement building, living both according to and as an expression of their ethics, despite all this, the spectre gains form. The faint image grows more solid, more unavoidable, until the ghost is staring one in the face. And like many monsters of past tales, when its gaze is met, people freeze, become unable to move, give up hope, become disillusioned and inactive. This malai freezing, not only slows activist workload, but I have seen it affect every facet of many of my friends' lives. The spectre that many try not to see is a simple realization. The world will not be saved. Global anarchist revolution is not going to happen. Global climate change is now unstoppable. We are not going to see the worldwide end to civilization, capitalism, patriarchy, and authority. It's not going to happen anytime soon. It's unlikely to happen ever. The world will not be saved. Not by activists, not by mass movements, not by charities, and not by insurgent global proletariat. The world will not be saved. This realization hurts people. They don't want it to be true, but it probably is. These realizations, this abandonment of illusions should not become disabling, yet if one believes that it's all or nothing then there is a problem. Many friends have dropped out of the movement, whilst others have remained in old patterns, but with a sadness and cynicism which signals a feeling of futility. Some hover around scenes, critiquing all, but living and fighting little. It's not the despair. I can handle the despair. It's the hope I can't handle. Footnote 1 No, not Derek Jensen, but John Cleese. Clockwise. film. Christopher Morahan, 1986, London, Thorn EMI Screen Entertainment. The hope of a big, happy ending hurts people, sets the stage for the pain felt when they become disillusioned. Because truly, who amongst us now really believes? How many have been burnt up by the effort needed to reconcile a fundamentally religious faith in the positive transformation of the world with the reality of life all around us? Yet to be disillusioned with global revolution with our capacity to stop climate change, should not alter our anarchist nature or the love of nature we feel as anarchists. There are many possibilities for liberty and wildness still. What are some of these possibilities and how can we live them? What could it mean to be an anarchist an environmentalist when global revolution and worldwide social and eco-sustainability are not the aim? What objectives, what plans, what lives, what adventures are there when the illusions are set aside and we walk into the world not disabled by disillusionment, but unburdened by it? Chapter 1 No Global Future Religious myths, progress, global capitalism, global revolution, global collapse. The idea of progress was central to the modern ro- The idea of progress was central to the modern western paradigm and the presumption that the entire world was moving ever onwards to a better future was dominant the idea of the inevitability or possibility of a global libertarian future originates from that belief in many ways anarchism was and is the liberation In many ways, anarchism was and is the libertarian extreme of the European Enlightenment, against God and the state. In some countries, such as turn of the 20th century Spain, it was the Enlightenment, its militantly pro-science anti-clericism being as much of an attraction as its anti-capitalism. Yet the rubbish of history is not so easily discarded, and progressive revolutionary movements have often been, in essence form and aim, the continuation of religion by other means. As an example, the belief that universal peace and beauty would be reached through apocalyptic tumults of blood and fire, revolution and the millennium and the collapse, indicates firmly that as an enlightenment ideology, anarchism has been heavily burdened by its Euro-Christian origins. John Gray was talking about Marxism when he said it was a radical version of the Enlightenment belief in progress, itself a mutation of Christian hopes. Following Judaism and Christianity, in seeing history as a moral drama, that's last act is salvation. Footnote 2. John Gray. Al-Qaeda and what it means to be modern. London. The New Press. 2003. Page 7. While some, anarchists never fell for such bunkum, bunkum. While some anarchists never fell for such bunkum, many did, and some still do. These days, progress itself is increasingly questioned both by anarchists and across society. I've yet to meet anyone today who still believes in the inevitability of a global anarchist future. However, the idea of a global movement confronting a global present and creating a global future has many apostles. Some of these are even libertarians and look hopefully to the possibility of global anarchist revolution. Footnote 3 While I know no one personally who professes this today, anarchism as the talos of human history is still present in our propaganda. As late as 2006 in what I would say is the most accessible and by far the most visually beautiful introductory book to anarchy, it is stated, that the general direction of human history was continually towards liberty, in spite of anything that authority imposed and that further progress was inevitable. Society is naturally developing to secure a life of well-being for all, in which collective productivity will be put to collective use. Anarchism. Clifford Harper referring approvingly to Peter Kropotkin's scientific basis for anarchism. In Clifford Harper, Anarchy. A Graphic Guide. London, Camden Press, 1987. Page 59. The illusory triumph of capitalism following the destruction of the Berlin Wall led to the proclamation, more utopian than real, of a new world order, a global capitalist system. Footnote 4, the idea of the millennium, implicit in the end of history, affects the rulers as well as the ruled. The reaction of many to globalization was to posit one from below. And this was only reinforced by the near-simultaneous public emergence of the Zapatistas and the invention of the web. The subsequent International Action Days, often coinciding with summits, became the focus for the supposedly global anti-capitalist movement of movements. The excitement on the streets enabled many to forestall seeing the spectre by looking in the direction of the global movement. But there was never a global movement against capitalism. Then, or ever just as capitalism itself was never truly global. There are many, many places where capitalist relations are not the dominant practice, and even more where anti-capitalist, never mind anarchist movements, simply don't exist. Footnote 5 Though the global day of action that arguably kicked off this period, J181999, was named by Reclaim the Streets London as the Carnival Against Capital, there is little evidence that most who participated elsewhere, especially outside the West, saw themselves as anti-capitalist, either then or in the subsequent period. People's Global Action, the main network that then linked anarchists and activist groups in the West to organizations in the majority world, was never really that global and its scale was often exaggerated. Footnote 6. As the absence of any global movement against capitalism is so obvious, Those with a desire to believe in one have to go to impressive mental lengths. Ignoring the grandstanding of the authoritarian left, the main technique in our circle is to think of all the diffuse struggles and movements of personal and collective resistance implicit in class struggle, and then join them together by naming them. Communism, the movement of movements, the multitude, take your pick. Fundamentally, this is an example of magical thinking. By categorizing and naming the diffuse and invisible, it becomes real. The thing can then be given attributes and desires can be projected onto it. Unsurprisingly, often exactly the same desires the imaginer would like to see in a movement which expressed their politics. That these incidents of struggle might be being carried out by people with fundamentally different beliefs, desires, and needs is unimportant, for it is the imaginary construct that matters, and not the actual content. Amidst the jolly unreality of this period of, quote, global resistance, some could get really carried away. Quote, We have no interest in reforming the World Bank or the IMF. We want it abolished as part of an international anarchist union. Footnote 7, Andrew Flood, S26 in Ireland and the origins of the anti-capitalist movement, Workers' Solidarity Movement, Ireland, 13th of September, 2000. Such statements are understandable if written in the drunk-like exuberance one can sometimes feel on having defeated the police, but they are found more commonly. The self-description of one anarchist federation reads, As the capitalist system rules the whole world, its destruction must be complete and worldwide. Footnote 8. UK Anarchist Federation Resistance, May 2009, page 4. These quotes are just illustrations, you can find many similar ones yourself. Don't take it as a dig if you are allied with these organizations and tendencies. Many of you I know are doing great stuff and are lovely people who I've shared laughs and struggles with. The illusion of a singular world capitalist present is mirrored by the illusion of a single world anarchist future. I love us. There's so much we can do and be, but there are limits. Anarchists are growing in number. Groups and countercultures are appearing in countries where there are few or no social movement anarchists previously. Footnote 9. I use the phrase social movement anarchists to mean those of us who self-label as anarchists and feel allied somewhat to largely western-originated anarchist traditions. Many peoples and individuals have, and do, live anarchist and acephalous lives without any link to our relatively modern social movements. I write about these in other anarchists in chapter 4, African Roads to Anarchy. Yet an honest appraisal of our strengths and prospects and those of the communities and classes we are a part of would show clearly that we are not growing, quote, the new society in the shell of the old, that someday will liberate the world in a moment of rupture. Footnote 10. Statements that refer to building or growing the new society in the shell of the old are relatively common in libertarian writing. Though the concept predates it, the origin of these phrases is thought to be the century-old preamble of the constitution of the industrial workers of the world. By organising industrially, we are forming the structure of the new society within the shell of the old. The Earth has a lot of places with a lot of people, a reality that can increasingly easily get lost in the web-encapsulated global activist village. Footnote 11 Sure, the web connects the globe, but most of us end up hearing mainly people just like ourselves. We end up within these filter bubbles, where we see the people we already know, and the people who are similar to the people we already know, and we tend not to see the wider picture. Ethan Zuckerman, listening to Global Voices, Ted To want to get rid of the world of capitalist social relations, or further still civilization, is one thing. To be capable of doing so is something else entirely. We are not everywhere, we are rare. Actions, circles of friends, social centers, urban guerrilla cells, magazine editorial groups, eco-warriors, housing co-ops, students, refuges, arsonists, parents, squats, scientists, peasants, strikers, teachers, and land-based communes, musicians, tribespeople, street gangs, loving insurgents, and so on, so much else. Anarchists can be wonderful. We can have beauty and self-possessed power and possibility in buckets. We cannot, however, remake the entire world. There are not enough of us, and never will be some may argue that a global libertarian revolution can succeed without being made, or significantly aided, by overt anarchists so our present numbers and resources are null and void. While it's a given that social crises and revolt are regular occurrences in societies based on class warfare, to put one's faith in the revolutionary impulse of the proletariat is a theory approximate to saying, it'll be alright on the night. There is unfortunately little evidence from history that the working class, never mind anyone else, is intrinsically predisposed to libertarian or ecological revolution. Thousands of years of authoritarian socialization favor the jackboot. Footnote 12. Down with empire, up with spring. Te Wanganui A slash Wellington. Rebel Press 2006, page 74. Neither we nor anyone else can create a libertarian and ecological global future society by expanding social movements. Further, there is no reason to think that in the absence of such a vast expansion, a global social transformation congruent with our desires will never happen. As anarchists, we are not the seed of the future society in the shell of the old, but merely one of the many elements from which the future is forming. That's okay. When faced with such scale and complexity, there is a value in non-serval humility, even for insurgents. To give up hope for global anarchist revolution is not to resign oneself to anarchy remaining an eternal protest. Seaweed puts it well. Revolution is not everywhere or nowhere. Any bioregion can be liberated through a succession of events and strategies based on the conditions unique to it, mostly as the grip of civilization in that area weakens through its own volition or through the efforts of its inhabitants. Civilization didn't succeed everywhere at once, and so its undoing might only occur to varying degrees in different places at different times. Footnote 13. Seaweed. Land and liberty. Toward an organically self-organized subsistence movement. Occupied Isles of British Columbia, self-published 2002, available online at www.antipolitics.net distro. Even if an area is seemingly fully under the control of authority, there are always places to go, to live in, to love in, and to resist from. And we can extend those places. The global situation may seem beyond us, but the local never is. As anarchists, we are neither entirely powerless, nor potentially omnipotent, thankfully. From Anti-Globalization to Climate Change For many of us, when the the turn-of-the-century anti-globalization surge lost its momentum, the global thinking and religious optimism went with it. However, in the last few years, an attempt to resurrect the global movement appeared amongst us once again, this time around the climate change. Footnote 14 We started to be defeated on the streets by the police, bored by the routine, infiltrated by the left, intimidated by lengthy prison sentences, overshadowed by Islamist insurgents and Western wars of invasion, watered down by immersion in the anti-war movement, and then weakened by its failure. Some key struggles were on some levels one, GM Terminator technology stalled and WTO negotiations imploded, Many migrated to more advantageous or dramatic terrains of straggle. Some battles moved beyond what was originally acceptable. Many consolidated locally and or abandoned illusions about the mass and the spectacular. Myriad non-political issues of everyday life, kids, generational shift, depression, death and employment should also not be underestimated. The mobilization at the Copenhagen UN Climate Change Conference was billed by many as the next Seattle and some groups have claimed they are building a global movement to solve the climate crisis. Footnote 15. Apart from being hopelessly USA-centric, this was surely another example of fundamentally magical thinking. One wonders if an equation that concluded Copenhagen equals Seattle would have been as popular if COP15 had occurred near the 6th anniversary of Seattle rather than the numerically elegant 10th year anniversary. Footnote 16. The 101010 day organized by 350.org saw 1,600 plus events in 135 countries, mostly of the ritualistic tree planting and light bulb changing variety, though also appropriately with the option of faith work. Greenpeace, for instance, says climate change is a global public bad. To solve it requires global collective action. We have no alternative but to build a global grassroots movement, move politicians forward, and force corporations and banks to change direction. Footnote 17. John Sovan, Executive Director of Greenpeace UK. Global collective action is the key to solving climate change. Guardian, 16th of February 2010, page 33. I'll take it as a given that you, the reader, understand the naive unreality of such lobby groups, but it's worth looking at those at the less institutionalized end of climate change campaigning. There are three main tendencies, and sometimes folk wander from one to another. Firstly, there are those who have similar beliefs to Greenpeace, i.e. direct action as an awareness-raising and lobbying strategy. Secondly, there are those who use the discourse around climate change to aid mobilization in local campaigns, which, though unlikely to have any effect on climate change, at least have practical and sometimes achievable objectives in mind, i.e. halting the destruction of an ecosystem and the worsening well-being of a community, or simply increasing self-sufficiency. Footnote 18. See the sadly now-evicted mainshell solidarity camp, or the successful climate-camp-linked campaign against the expansion of Heathrow Airport. Footnote 19. Some of the groups allied to transition towns would be the most obvious example, at least in the British Isles. Thirdly, there are those nostalgic anti-capitalists who envision climate justice at a metamorphosis of the imagined alter-globalization movement. Notice it's increasingly no longer anti-globalization. Footnote 20, see Tadzio, Muller, and Ben Trott, How to Institutionalize a Swarm. An anonymous writer described the last tendency well. When activists try to convince us that it's the last chance to save the earth, it's because they're trying to build social movements. There's a growing and disturbing trend that has been lingering around radical circles over the last few years, based on the idea that blind positivity can lead to interesting and unexpected success. Michael Hart and Tony Negri's books have provided some of the theoretical basis for this, and it's been taken up by some who want to unite the masses under the banner of precarity, organize migrants, and mobilize for summits. For many coming from the left-wing tradition, it has been the message of hope that they were wanting to hear, at a time when their ideologies seemed more moribund than ever. Theoreticians who should understand capitalism well enough to know better write that a global basic income or free movement for all is an achievable goal. They may not believe it themselves, but ostensibly want to inspire others to believe in it, claiming that the moments of excess generated by such utopian dreams will give rise to the potent movements of change. Climate change is certainly a suitable testing ground for the politics of manufactured hope, being so alienated from our actual everyday realities but whilst the new movement politicians, facilitators, and not dictators, watch their movements grow, there is still a case for living in the real world. Footnote 21 You are now fucked, Natterjack Press. The title refers to a climate camp leaflet, the front cover of which was simply the text, You are not fucked. Outside the convention centers, the new stars appear more and more like those within, Inside and out, the message is that global future is winnable if only we organize. However, the reality both within ecosystems generally and people's stomachs in particular is that there is no global singular future and no imaginary community, either of states or multitudes, or both, a la Cochimbaba, can stop climate change. Footnote 22 Unless, of course, climate change reaches one of the truly end times possibilities outlined well by Mark Linus in his description of the end Permian wipeout. This is a possibility. Mark Linus, six degrees, our future on a hotter planet. Footnote 23. The 2010 World People's Conference on Climate Change and the Rights of Mother Earth was called for and hosted by the Bolivian government. For a good anarchist critique, see Darius Sokolov, kochimbaba Beyond the Complex, Anarchist Pride, from Shift Magazine number 9, 2010. A far more pro, if still somewhat questioning, approach to the conference can be found in Building Bridges Collective, Space for Movement, Reflections from Bolivia on Climate Justice, Social Movements, and the State, Bristol, Self-Published, 2010. Given our obvious inability to remake the entire world the way we might like it to be, some replace the myth of global revolution with a belief in imminent global collapse. These days, usually some mix of climate change and peak oil. As we shall see later, both in the next chapters and our future years, global heating will severely challenge civilization in some areas and probably vanquish it in others. Yet in some regions, it will likely open up possibilities for the spread of civilization's rule. Some lands may remain, relatively, temperate, climatically and socially. As for civilization, so for anarchy and anarchists, severely challenged, sometimes vanquished, possibilities for liberty and wildness opening up, possibilities for liberty and wildness closing, the unevenness of the present will be made more so. There is no global future.